From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. Welcome, everyone, to the, this latest edition of Market Signals podcast. I'm Mark Sabicki, Chief Investment Officer at LPL Financial. Joining me is one of my favorite gentlemen, um, fixed income strategist Lawrence Gillum. Um, today is Tuesday, December 13th, uh, on this day of recording the Market Signals podcast. Lawrence, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Mark. I I appreciate it. And it's crazy to think that the year's almost over. Only a couple more weeks left in the year. Yes, yes. And I, I ordered a bunch of stuff on, online yesterday, and it should, should be delivered um, before Christmas. So I, I, I'm feeling pretty good about um, maybe a little bit ahead of the game. What about yourself? I uh, My wife, thankfully, handles a lot of this stuff. And I know she's doing a great job ordering uh, presents for the kids because I I bring in all those Amazon packages as they arrive each day. <laughs> well, that, and that, that wasn't a plug for Amazon, but just, just you know, but, but well done. Um, so important disclosures for everybody to kind of recognize. Um, talking a little bit about last week, you know, you and I have kind of just ahead of this call, Lawrence, went a little bit back and forth about some of the activity in, in, um, in capital markets last week, you know, I, Things were a little bit depressed in terms of most risky asset prices. I think some of the conversation around, um, you know, recession risks and uh, producer price index number here in the U.S. was that came in just a little bit hotter than expected, and then people extrapolated, okay, well. If, if inflation is not as falling as fast as people would like, then the central bank, being the Federal Reserve, is going to have to do some more risk, which adds more, more I'm sorry, do more tightening, which adds more, adds more risk to the uh, the recession picture in the U.S. and also in, in global economies. Have I got that right, Lawrence? Yeah, that, that sounds about right. We did see a hotter than expected PPI index. Came down from last month, but hotter than expected. Uh, so there was a kind of a, a risk off tone during the week last week, for sure. Yeah, and then um, we're going to maybe touch on you know core bonds here, maybe in the next uh, next uh, couple slides. So I will leave that for for that. But um, it continued conversations in China around COVID ed- exit expectations. Um, that market still got a little bit of a bid, but broadly EM kind of faded in general terms with overall uh, global equity markets, you know, last week and recession speculation continues to weigh on oil markets in general, although commodities broadly were, were a little bit higher. So looking um, at more individual markets, you know, as mentioned um, most equity markets uh, broadly were were weaker, although Europe continues to get some semblance, uh, you know, of a bid. You know, notably European economies and equity markets are a little bit lagging where the U.S. is in terms of the Federal Reserve's inflation fight. Still, that that continues to go on uh, quite dramatically in in the eurozone as the ECB you know uh, begins to tackle or has been tackling inflation and that's a little bit more problematic in the eurozone than it is in the US at this point um i think you know probably in double digit you know uh, inflation readings around the UK and other other parts of of the eurozone so um Although European markets are continuing to get some semblance of a bid, the jury's still out as far as our asset allocation 
committee is concerned. I think we're still favoring or we are still favoring uh, U.S. equity markets over the rest of the globe. Um, but um, the activity in Eurozone equity markets has, has caused us to raise our eyebrow just a little bit. Um, the EFA index um, uh, lagged in the the, um, the overall country world index and the S&P 500, the emerging market index also you know lagged as well. Moving on to bonds, um, Lawrence, this is your wheelhouse, obviously. So bonds are acting like bonds all of a sudden. What's what's your take? Yeah, no, it's 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 good to finally see that negative correlation with equity markets as equity markets have sold off, fixed income markets have rallied. Your point about recession risks increasing and that risk off bid that we saw last week that was beneficial to core bonds. Uh, and in particular, interest rates. We saw interest rates continue to move lower last week. And that certainly helped a lot of those more interest rate sensitive asset classes like investment grade corporate bonds or even emerging market debt, which a lot of people don't understand or realize that that's one of the more interest rate sensitive asset classes within the fixed income market. So that has been a a, a headwind most of the year, but over the past month or so, it's been a tailwind, which uh, is helping claw back some of those negative returns that we've seen this year, which is uh, which is certainly um, uh, a, a relief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we say, the bond the bond market's kind of acting like the bond market again, which is um, you know we're glad to see to see that you know. And, and Lawrence, we've talked about in this forum and other forums actually at LPL Research, where there's some definitive value to be had in in in, in bonds. I mean, you know, you know, the, uh, um, the the recent drop in in market interest rates is maybe as we mentioned yesterday in the asset allocation committee maybe slightly overdone and we could see some some retrenchment of that but you know still bonds are offering attractive returns over the next twelve months do I have that right you absolutely right and we just released our twenty twenty three outlook piece which uh, talks about the the prospects for fixed income returns over the next 12, 24 months even though yields have come down a little bit over the past month month and a half. They're still higher than what we've seen over the past decade. So we think that the, the fixed income asset class broadly is in the best shape it's been in over a decade. So uh, bonds are back. Yeah, yeah, bo- bo- bonds are back. And again, as we've, we've mentioned in other forms, including this one, if, the, if you're an income-oriented investor, um, take down some fixed income exposure because we think that that makes sense at this stage and now that you're getting paid for for waiting uh it even makes um more sense um on the economic calendar in the u.s uh the cpi number this morning uh is interest of of notable interest as we sit here on a tuesday uh recording the market signals podcast the CPI number year over year for the U.S. was uh, 7.1%, and that compares to the 7.3% estimate in the 7.7% prior reading. So good news um, for Federal Reserve watchers, good news for uh, equity market participants in general so far this morning. Um, we will get an FOMC meeting uh, uh, tomorrow, so we'll talk a little bit about that and we hear, hear Lawrence's perspective on that. Retail sales later on this week uh, and also industrial production numbers in the U.S. capacity utilization as well. So a fairly heavy week in, in U.S. economic circles. 
turning to the rest of the globe, um, also inflation data and a whole heck of a lot of uh, central bank activity. And again, we'll we'll pause on that for just a second. Let Lawrence you know cover that as the latter portion of, of this podcast. Um, CPI numbers in in the eurozone uh, will be also something to watch, and 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 clearly the um, the PMI manufacturing composite and services numbers out of the Eurozone in Germany, also something to pay attention to as everyone this week is going to be watching new inflation data, everybody across the globe, new inflation data, uh, and also what the central banks are going to do about it. Um, turning to that, you know, a lot of central bank activity, as we mentioned, the Federal Reserve, the Bank of England, the European Central Bank, amongst others, are going to go to work this week um, and adjust policy. Uh, according to their view of inflation and, uh, and global economies. Um, and we mentioned um, inflation data across the globe is coming out as well. If you happen to be uh, suffering um, from uh, the inability to find proper amounts of sleep during the course of this week, I would recommend the Bank of England Financial Stability Report. Uh, as a cure for that ailment, um, because while there's great information in there, and I would encourage people to kind of at least pay some semblance of attention to it, it can be a, a little bit of a dry read. So, um, Lawrence Gillum, talk to us about what's going on in central banks across the globe uh, this week, and, and how should we think about it as investors? Yeah, so now that the CPI data is behind us, markets are going to shift their attention to Central Bank Week. We have nine central banks meeting this week, as you mentioned, highlighted by the, the Federal Reserve, the Bank of England, and the ECB. Those are the three large uh, central banks that are meeting this week. All of them are expected to raise interest rates, albeit at a slower clip than they have in the, the previous months. Uh, the, the, the Fed, for example, has raised interest rates by 75 basis points in four of its last meetings. Uh, we expect 50 basis points tomorrow. So certainly a continued increase in interest rates, but at a slower pace. Uh, but it is gonna be a busy week for, uh, for, for central banks. I have a couple of factoids for you here, Mark, as it relates to, to central bank activity. You know, we talk about the Fed a lot, but it's not just the Fed raising rates. There's 90% of central banks have raised interest rates this year. And if you count up all those interest rate hikes, 275 rate hikes this year have taken place. 275, 25 wow. basis point rate hikes. So when the, if the Fed raises rates by 75 basis points, for example, that counts as three rate hikes. So if you do the math, 275 times 0.25%, 25 basis points, close to 69% in interest rate hikes cumulatively this year. So an aggressive rate hiking campaign globally. Now, a lot of that's in the in the emerging markets. You know, if you look at the the LATAM region, the, the Latin American region, if you consider you know Brazil, Colombia, uh, Mexico, they've raised interest rates by again cumulatively by thirty one percent. So we think the Fed's aggressive. Emerging market central banks have been overly aggressive as well, which is one of the reasons why we've uh, uh, preferred U.S. fixed income assets over emerging market debt assets. Again, yeah. despite the fact that the Fed is raising rates. In a pretty aggressive clip, it pales in, in comparison to what we, we're seeing out of the emerging market economies. 
Yeah, emerging market economies clearly have are attempting to protect some relatively weak currencies. So that's one one of the reasons for that uh, that that activity. Um, you know, certainly. So if if the Federal Reserve is going to raise fifty basis points, we think this week, as well as the ECB and the and and the Bank of England. Um, you know, I think the expectation, the way we think about it in our asset allocation committee, is that they'll likely um, continue to ease those interest rate increases over the next, you know, several meetings to to the point where the next meeting after Wednesday's FOMC meeting could be 25 basis points, and then there may be another 25 basis point hike um, in the following, you know, meeting, but. Um, just kind of put it in context for the audience. Um, uh, it looks to me like inflation is is doing some of the heavy lifting in terms of the trend for the Federal Reserve, and and we are getting what we expected as an asset allocation committee from from inflation and also from the Federal Reserve as well. Is that fair? I think that is fair, and I think it's important to point out that today's inflationary report, the CPI report. It's a good story in and of itself, but it's also the second uh, report in a row where inflation or inflation has come under inflation expectations, right? So there's been two months in a row now where we've seen inflation fall faster than expected. That's good news for the Fed, and that should give the Fed the ability to not pivot or 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 anything like that, but maybe just pause at, at these uh, elevated rate hikes. No more 75 basis point rate hikes. Maybe 150 basis point rate hike tomorrow, and then to your point, maybe 25 in January and, and another 25 in in February, and then kind of see how things work themselves out on the inflationary front. One caveat I would say is that while inflation is falling, we still see a pretty tight labor market. So it'll be interesting to see how that that conversation uh, unfolds tomorrow with uh, Chairman Powell. Uh, you know, he has that uh, press conference after the meeting. I'm sure that'll be brought up about the tightness of the labor market. So I, I don't think, or the Fed probably doesn't think its work is done yet, but they're certainly moving in, a, in, in the right direction. Yeah, and, and moving in accordance with our expectations as an asset allocation committee, we, we've been cautiously constructive on risky asset prices for several months now with the expectation that the that inflation was going to continue to roll over and thus the Federal Reserve was going to eventually have to do less work. And we are seeing that markets are beginning to recognize that. We've seen that over the last you know several weeks or so. Uh, so that's in fact you know coming to pass. So we'll see what the next couple of weeks as we move on to uh, the holiday season, see what see what's in store for us over the next couple of weeks and see certainly what comes out of uh, Jay Powell's mouth uh, tomorrow, which will also be very important. So, with, with that in mind, um, Lawrence, let's let's turn our attention to, to your again your wheelhouse, which is fixed income markets and specific, specifically the municipal bond market, where you are seeing um, quite a bit of value, and that's based on your your expectation for default rates in munis compared to other areas of the market. How, how does that how does this read to you? Yep, for sure. So because of that aggressive central bank rate hiking campaign that's taken globally, you know, those recessionary risks have increased. Uh, and during recessionary periods, we tend to see default rates increase for investment grade corporate credits and, and, and high yield corporate credits in particular. Uh, we do think that the, the corporate credit markets are in pretty good shape. 
uh, but their default rates will increase. Uh, that's just a, a, a you know that just tends to happen during these recessionary periods. Uh, we think the, the default rate is going to peak lower than what we've seen in the in the past, but you know default rates are still going to increase from current levels. Municipal securities, however, have have tended to have a lower default rate, and this is important because fixed income. There's not a lot of upside return. There's a lot of downside potential returns. Uh, so fixed income returns tend to be pretty asymmetric. You can lose more than you can gain in, in a lot of situations. One of those ways to lose more money than you can gain is through defaults. Defaults represent a permanent impairment of capital. It means you're not going to get your money back at par, unlike if your bond is trading, you know, and, 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 and volatility is happening and your price, the prices of the bonds are going all over the place. You hold that bond to maturity, you're still going to get that, that bond back or that uh, money back at par. You don't have that same sort of benefit if a bond defaults. So investors, fixed income investors, they try to to, to uh, limit the amount of default activity in their portfolio because that does represent a permanent impairment of capital. Municipal securities, which are the blue line here that we're showing, have tended to have lower default rates. So they've been a higher quality credit relative to corporate credit. So if you know we do enter into a recessionary period, the you know corporate credit default defaults increase. The, the muni market tends to be a pretty attractive place to, to park some money and to, to avoid a lot of that um, a lot of that default activity. Now, munis have been under the, a lot of the same pressures that we've seen in other markets this year. Rising interest rates, you know, munis have these fixed coupons associated with them, so they've sold off as well as, as other markets. Adding to that, we've seen about 10% of the market uh, being taken out through investor withdrawals. And the, the muni market is still pretty illiquid, meaning that any sort of investor redemption, especially about 10% of the market, is going to put downward pressure on prices, upward pressure on yields. We're starting to see that that trend change a little bit, though. We're starting to see money move back into the, the muni market. Uh, so we do think that that technical headwind is turning into a technical tailwind. And also, given the strong fundamentals and the relatively attractive valuations, munis could be a, a pretty attractive alternative to corporate credit over the next 12 to 24 months. So it's, it's it's an area that we like. It's been an area that we we've that has been beaten up this year, but we do think the worst is behind us, uh, and and you know the outlook for munis is is pretty positive in our view. Yeah, I mean it makes sense to me. Clearly, the 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 tax benefits are, are part of that story, and and again, you know, for income oriented investors who are looking for more attractive. Uh, yields that that the market has given us in 2022, um, and and some tax benefits out of the muni market. I I think that I think that makes that makes a lot a, lo a lot of sense. So um, other than muni's, um, Lawrence, throw you a, a little bit of a um, a little bit of curveball here. Um, outside of core bonds, whether it's you know treasuries, mortgage-backed securities, investment-grade corporates. Outside of those core bonds, you know, other than the muni market, you know, where would you suggest investors turn for some some attractive opportunities? Yeah, so for those other uh, areas that we that we look at considered spread sectors that uh, those involve high yield bonds, bank loans, emerging market debt, which we talked a little bit about today, and then non U.S. De uh, developed debt. Of those four. We think the best value is in just high yield bonds. You know, U.S. corporate high yield bonds, eight and a half type percent uh, returns. As I mentioned just a second ago, we do think it, defaults are going to increase a little bit, much less than what they have in previous recessionary type periods. 
Uh, so there is risk associated with them. That's why we advocate for a you know a three to five year time horizon for for high yield bonds. But given the backup in yields that we've already seen this year, high yield corporate credit bonds look pretty attractive. Again, if you can hold them through any sort of near term volatility that we that we that may come uh, as these rate hiking campaigns continue. Yeah, um, good points. And and I mean, you and I have been on this uh, podcast several times over the last six to eight weeks, and we've been. Uh, systematically call it pounding the table on fixed income, um, especially for income-oriented investors. And, and I think we want to collectively maybe pound the table again. So wh- whether it's the muni market, high yield, or bonds, um, you know, again, we think the risk-reward in fixed income makes a lot of sense for a, a, a lot of folks. So um, with that, uh, Lawrence, we'll, we'll close out this session of the Market Signals podcast. I want to I want to thank you for for joining me today, talking about central banks, talking about the municipal bond market. Um, you know, and we want to thank the audience for joining as well. So have a good week, everybody, and we'll see you next Tuesday. This material was provided by LPL Financial, is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer Member FINRA and SIPC insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker-dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency, not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposit or obligations, and may lose value.